Hi, all, and welcome to the All Things Woo podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Ray. This is a place for spiritual beings as well as those that are spiritually curious to come together and share their experiences, talents, and beliefs. If you've ever been drawn to ghosts, aliens, crystals, mediums, psychics, or maybe you're just somebody that's outgrown the dogma of religion, then this is the place for you. I like to think of it as a place for all things woo. I myself am a lifelong spiritualist, a spiritual health and wellness life coach. I've been reading tarot for the past 14 years, and I also facilitate one-on-one breathwork sessions. I'm here to share my own experiences and bring my own take on spirituality, but I'll also be inviting other coaches, spiritualists, and experts on here to share info with you guys. And if you have a story that you want to share, then I want to give you the platform. So please reach out to me, and I would love to see if you can be on the show. Let's get started. Hi all, and welcome back to the All Things Woo podcast. Today I am sitting here with Miss Dawn Davis, and Dawn and I actually met through the Journey program as well, and we have since then actually hit it off pretty well. We're really good friends now at this point, and we mastermind together every week and keep each other accountable, and she has been a great friend to me through this whole process. So I am really excited for her to come on here and share her voice with you guys. I'm going to put all of her links and her descriptions down in the show notes so you guys can work with her because after you hear the story, I know you're definitely going to want to. So when we think about spirituality, I know a lot of the common themes are thinking about crystals and meditation and all of those showy, trendy things that you can be doing. And Dawn is here to shed some light on a more practical and raw way, actually, of how she found spirituality. Hi, Don. Hi, Taylor. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Always. You know, you're always welcome. I'm so excited to have you here to give us a really different take on it's not really so much a woo story in the beginning. Uh, shall I? Yes, please. Uh, please, please. So I, I want to talk about um, finding spirituality through working the 12 steps. I actually have a religious upbringing. My family was Catholic and I went to um, mass on Sundays and uh, the catechism where, you know, they taught me about religious things. And I was the kid who asked a bunch of questions because things didn't make sense, didn't match up. And they were like, "Uh, you just have to believe. And that's confusing, right? It it is confusing and it didn't sit well with me. Um, I also have a a childhood with lots of trauma in it. So the the adults who were talking about religion and and God and um, church actually turned out to be really damaging and dangerous. And so it was very conflicting for me because I um, heard them saying one thing and definitely saw them doing something else. Yeah, and that, that would be confusing in any context, but I feel like especially when you're preaching about, you know, sky daddy and how to live your life and how to be a good person and then you're not following through with it or, you know, maybe just not setting good examples through it, it definitely gets confusing. I can't believe you just said sky daddy. That's so fantastic. <laughs> no disrespect to anybody. We can totally refer to it as God, but yeah, the sky, sky daddy. daddy. Uh, yeah. So um, as I got older and I had more freedom and choice, I stopped going to church. Um, How did that go over with your family? 
Well, as it turns out, my mom isn't really a religious person. Um, she kind of did what she did because of the people around her at the time. And, um, you know, she got divorced and separated from religion, I think, as much as I did. So for her, you know, it wasn't, there were no, I don't know, she wasn't disappointed in me. Um, but she still talks about God in a very um, dogmatic context, but whatever, I don't feel pressured to do that to you. And, and I had a resentment, a big resentment against God and the church and religion um, in my rebellious years. And because of the trauma of my childhood, I turned to drugs and alcohol for coping, which was useful for a while until it started getting me into trouble. And then I felt empty and soulless right? If you believe in a soul, that's a word that I would use to describe how I felt about myself. And then I needed something. Then I was seeking to fill up. Um, I didn't know it was spirituality that I was looking for, but I, I do believe right. that to be true now. So when you're talking about all these things that you were doing at the time, what started to like pull you away from that? Uh, pull me away from drugs and alcohol, alcohol. substance yeah. abuse. Well, you know, having sex with other people's boyfriends and girlfriends um, makes people mad and not, sh yes. yeah, not showing up to things that I say I'm going to show up to uh, makes people mad. Um, not having any sense of self um, yeah. made me feel empty. And, you know, I think what, what happened for me, like in the end, I got sober, I got clean and sober in a 12-step program. I had to do that because I I I didn't want to I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live anymore. And I've heard that said before um numerous times. I've never actually been in that situation, but what is that like for the people that are there right now when you don't really know which side you want to be on and you're just kind of blah. Well, I mean, for me and I got this definitely has to do with spirituality, even though we're not using those words. But for me, I, um, I had put up so much armor to protect myself from, from the crappy things that happened to me as a kid, which by the way, I have no shame about, and I'm willing to talk to anyone about all of that stuff when the time is right. I don't know if this is the right time for that, but you know, I, I numbed myself because I didn't right. know, I didn't, I didn't have any other skills to deal with it. I numbed myself and I numbed myself to the point where I didn't have, I wasn't connected to anyone. I wasn't connected to myself. And so I thought that my problem was drugs and alcohol. And so I went to a 12 step program, but what happened instead was that I had, um, a whole lifestyle change and I was given tools to be introspective and I developed connections with people. And that's, I mean, if anyone asked me today, how would you define spirituality? For yeah. me, my definition is connection, feeling connected to other people, feeling like I'm a part of something bigger, like I'm useful, yeah. I have value, I have worth that is a spiritual feeling to me. And that's what working the 12 steps got me. I've been clean and sober for 28 years. I've been actively working the 12 steps for all of that time. I have a sponsor who serves as like a mentor or a coach. Um, I sponsor women who 
need, who need help redesigning their lives. That's what, for me, that's what the 12 steps have offered me. And that's what brings me to spirituality. No, I love that, especially because and then the terminology I think is pretty interchangeable, but when you start talking about like connecting to yourself, that's connecting to, you know, like your higher self or your intuition or those gut feelings. And then the fact that you say you desired connection with other people, like that's a human basic need, right? That's something that we all desire, whether we want to admit it or not. And it also brings you like that connection to that source or God or whatever it is that you want to call it. So even though that may not have been what you were labeling it at the time, when I hear something like that, I'm like, that makes perfect sense because that aligns with everything that we know about people scientifically, psychologically, energetically. I mean, it's really beautiful. And I love that you mentioned that you give back, that not only do you have a sponsor, but like you also sponsor women. Like you've been there, you've done that, and now you support others. Well, that's where the magic is, right? (laughs) The, The magic is in helping other people to see the light but you know lighting the path for people and you know like come on everybody let's go and and then uh watching them change watching the light come on in their eyes watching their lives take drastic turns and and improve and that's not a guarantee right I just want to make sure that everybody knows that just because you get clean and sober doesn't mean that your life is great because I have to clean up the wreckage of what I created. And sometimes that's really uncomfortable first. (laughs) Um, But dedication to this lifestyle has definitely created uh, a life for me beyond what I ever imagined. I thought they were just going to take my drugs and alcohol away and my life was going to (laughs) suck. What happened instead was I had this whole new beautiful experience that I want to share with other people, like a life-saving turn of events that I want to give to other people. (laughs) That you would have put in a little bottle and give it away. Yeah, totally. Like I want to package it up and and hand it to people and not everybody wants it. I'm totally here for whoever does. And back to, you know, very specifically the spirituality part. When I first came into um, 12 step meetings, and by the way, there's an anonymity principle. So I'm not like, oh, I'm a member of blah. Um, simply because that's against the traditions, but I do belong to a 12 step group. And when I first arrived, they have these 12 steps hanging on the wall and it says, you know, God, God, God. And I was was just going to ask what the 12 steps are. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I don't don't know them very well, but I don't feel like they should say God on they do they do in some places right because we turn our will and our lives over to the care of god like to to, so that i'm not the center of the universe right i I have to figure out a a higher a higher power a higher energy whatever right right? so so knowing nothing about the program or at least not enough to really understand it i show up and i look at these 12 steps and periodically is the word God. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this I'm is out. not going to work. Damn it. This isn't it. Yeah, I, I got to get out of here. But two things. One, the people that I encountered were more real than anyone yeah. I had ever met before. Like they were talking about things from so far deep inside of themselves and like not having and not shame. not polite things, right? What's that? 
and not the polite stuff, not the fluffy stuff, right, not right, like real, it. like oh, nitty, like in there stuff, the stuff that I want to hear and I want to talk about, right? And and they were talking about these really intense things, and nobody was kicking them out. And sometimes people were laughing, like the whole room would burst into laughter, and I was like, oh my god, what's happening right now? <laughs> like, you know, this is not stuff that you talk about in polite conversation with your neighbors or whatever, and they're saying these things out loud, and I can relate. To to that I've done that so so first of all I felt an intense connection immediately feeling and sad. that is spiritual for me yes and second of all as I was working the steps it turns out that I don't have to believe anything yes yeah. it's true that in um lots of different meetings they use some christian prayers like to close the meeting they might say the lord's prayer which i found really offensive for a while but that's because there might be a bunch of people there who are christian and that's just how you know how they are wrapping things up but for sure i don't have to buy into that dogma it is not a requirement the only requirement for membership is a desire not to drink you can stay you can be an atheist there are meetings for atheists you can be agnostic you can be buddhist or hindu or like you can have any background at all the idea is just that i'm not god <laughs> right okay and so i'm not god and i'm part of something bigger and and so i have my own spiritual beliefs have um, changed and adapted and and you know I say God with a lowercase g often <laughs> just to be um, just because lots of people know or yeah. have an idea of what that is um, I loved your what did you say daddy in the sky sky daddy I love that so I'm also a feminist and uh, I I read about you know matriarchal cultures and goddess worship and you know I have a friend who does regular rituals uh, around the ancients and and gods and goddesses like polytheism and I don't think that anyone gets to tell me what God is I think there are lots of possibilities I do not I do not ascribe to Sky Daddy at all. And keeping in mind for everybody that's listening, no matter what you subscribe to, like that's totally valid too. Just the Christianity is, I think the biggest one that most people are exposed to. And I would say probably like one of, the darkest histories comes from Christianity and, you know, colonization and that kind of thing. But um, I like that you said that the only requirement for this program was the desire to not drink anymore. Doesn't matter what else you've got going on. Like you are totally entitled to have all of this, but be respectful and show up. And I know that you personally are a huge advocate for like inclusive language and inclusive inclusivity 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 yeah <laughs> inclusivity I couldn't get it out um and that's a really big deal and I love that you found that and even though I've known you for a while now like hearing you describe it in that way makes so much sense to me and I'm like oh of course of course Dawn would love that it's inclusive it's safe it's raw it's vulnerable it's showing up and showing I, up to I, have to, I, I have to say that um you know 
I live in a culture that is male dominated, that is um, Christian focused, that is heteronormative and so, and racist. And like all of that doesn't disappear just because I go to one of these 12 step meetings, all of that exists in the meeting as well. It's not perfect. It's just a microcosm of, you know, the, the culture I live in. Uh, and, and so I take myself in there. I am a, an out lesbian, uh, anti-racist uh, advocate for um, people in marginalized communities. Um, I make sure that everyone knows that they're welcome in this meeting, whether they are queer, trans, uh, from a a cultural or religious minority. Like I'm the person who, if I can, if if your difference is identifiable on the outside, I'm like, you come over here, sit next to me. You know, I want you, I want to, I want you to know that there's space for you here and I want you to feel comfortable and, and I, I will be your, I will be your connection. I'll, I'll be the person, you know, I can help you if you have questions or whatever. Like, I want to know, I want people to know that they're welcome, even if they look or feel different. And that, yeah, that is spirituality. It is absolutely. And I, Dawn, when it comes to this, absolutely walks her talk, you guys, in everything that she does on her Instagram, on her TikTok, in her conversations, when you see her interacting on social media. Um, when you have her in class, she's the first one to call somebody out in class if it's not already there in businesses, um, conferences that there's been. I mean, she really does embody all of those. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I just don't know if, you know, these people that I'm seeing, or even if my podcast isn't the place for you or, whatever the case may be, if you just feel like you need a place to be and you haven't found it yet, I would highly recommend going to her for whatever it is. I think she's one of the best. And if she can't help you, she knows how to connect you with the right people and the proper channels and to really make you feel like you belong. That's really sweet, Taylor. I like to connect people. I like networking. I like, oh, you need this. I know someone who does this. And you know, hooking people up. Yeah, and you do um, it well. Well, and you also use the phrase called out and, and I'm, I'm <laughs> reluctant. I'm reluctant. Okay, to, not calling out, to bring to attention. Yeah, yeah. What because I think, a lack of inclusivity. I think I have compassion uh, and I am gentle yeah. for the most part. I mean, I, I, I don't want, I'm not a dick. <laughs> she's I mean, not, she's not, but- I am. No, you're not, but you're also very unapologetic when you do it. If you see a gap, so, okay, calling out might not be the right word, but she will bring it to your attention in a respectful way, but she will make sure that it's heard and it's acknowledged and that it has been noticed so that it can be fixed in the future. Because if nobody talks about it and nobody stands up for it, then how is it ever going to get any better? Can you think of an example, Taylor? (laughs) Um, Well, for one, when you led our class discussion on inclusive language, and then instead of just leaving it at our discussion, every chance that you got, it was just making it accessible to, if you guys missed this talk, please go and listen to it here. If you guys missed this part, please go here. If you still have questions, please contact me. And then I think it was a class or two later um, that you were like, hey, guys, I actually had a discussion on this about inclusive language and how to bring that up. And if you need it, it's in like our we have a journey group page on Facebook. And she was like, if you still need that information, please go here. And then as professors are talking, if they're talking about different things, 
you are always one of the first people to be like, also, please don't forget about this, this, and this. And then instructors and other classmates always are like, oh yeah, and there is that. It's not that they're intentionally forgetting or that you're being a dick by any means, but it is bringing it to the forefront of, please remember that there are people that don't always have the same experience or the same language or the same money situations. And you're really, really good about incorporating those and bringing them to people's attention. I love hearing you say that, actually. Thank you. Because I, I, I live in my head, right? I, I'm just in here and I don't really know how, um, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how it looks from out there. I don't know how other people perceive me, but those are important things to me. And, and when, I, when I say something, I'm doing two things. One is I'm, you know, call, calling to attention uh, a, a gap, like you said, you know, uh, let's, let's take a look at how, you know, uh, heteronormative that comment is and how it leaves other people out, maybe. Um, but the other thing is that I want that person, the marginalized person, to know that I'm advocating for them. And that's like, I, I've been a classroom teacher for 15 years and I speak up so that the kid who has two moms or the kid who's raised in a foster home or the kid who doesn't have school supplies at home so that those kids hear me say that they are, they specifically are included and important and valuable and, and again, just like at a 12 step meeting, this chair right here next to me is a safe chair, come sit here. And that, that is my spirituality. Yes, and I think that's actually, I think that's one of the very first things that we bonded over actually was the school system and the changes that we wished to see more in it and more inclusivity and bringing all of those things to the forefront. Um, so that's always been something that I've known you're passionate about, but I love that you can connect all these various experiences in your life to this overarching theme of like what it means to you. And that's the really important piece too, I think, is that it doesn't look the same for everybody and it doesn't have to. That's the beauty of it. But I did want to ask for those that don't know, also because I'm not super well-versed in it either, the 12 steps. What do those look like? In case somebody out there is struggling with something, maybe you're really hitting home for them right now. What do the 12 steps look like? Are you asking me like specifically what they are yes I think so see I don't know what I don't know about it okay I, yeah so maybe so, this would be a great resource for somebody and they just don't know it okay well of course anybody could just google the 12 steps and um, find out what they are exactly so so the the program that I belong to has a focus on alcohol and the 12 steps as they're written I, like I walked into a meeting and I read them hanging on the wall I read 12 steps okay boom 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 all right great thanks what now and it's really it's like a life design right there's no fast forward button and so I go to meetings I actually attend a, a virtual meeting um, one every week, no matter what. And then um, I might pick up one or two more throughout the week. And now that it's virtual, there's no reason why I can't go. Like there's, a, I can go to a meeting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
um, all over the world. Um, and all of that, you can just Google, you know, um, <laughs> you can Google Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> virtual. I didn't, I was just, you know, like, I, I'm sure that it has something, you know, like, like you said, like a framework that has to be something we all come together yeah. and we center around, you know, no longer having substance abuse. Do they give you like frameworks, guidelines, suggestions? I know that they have like, yeah, yeah. so it's all suggestions, right? There are no laws. You don't have to do anything, which is really great. Um, sometimes people act like there are rules, like you have to go to 90 meetings in 90 days and you have to do this and you have to do that. And, and oh, that's that gives bullshit. you the tips, right? Oh yeah. You can, you can celebrate, um, lengths of sobriety, which I do. Um, I think for two reasons, one, so that I myself can remember, um, but also so that other people can see, right. Because someone, when I first went to my, you know, the early meetings, I couldn't believe that there were people who like really truly didn't drink or use drugs evenings and weekends included for any extended period of time. In fact, I didn't believe them. I didn't believe them. I went to, yeah, I went to uh, a clean and sober Halloween party just a few days after I got sober 28 years ago. And there was like a whole auditorium filled with people in costume, dancing, laughing, having a good time. And I was like, hell no, they're not sober they're not like, sober I, to do this right I didn't believe it because I didn't know how to do that because alcohol and um, drugs were such an integral part of my life before I stopped and and by the way I had stopped before and and not been able to stay stopped because um, the other thing about 12-step programs I think is that they help you change your mindset. That's all it is. And people are like, oh, it's brainwashing. Fuck yeah, I need to have my brain washed. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, really, like when you know better, you do better. Or mm -hmm. when you... But if we want to talk about neuroscience... Yeah, exactly. I was our like, Wait brains a go back, right? We, we go yeah. back to the familiar. We go back to the old grooves. We go back to um, our... Are, what's comfortable and familiar yeah and and negativity bias right because that's what we're prone to do and so yes. you know going back to drinking and using is what we do that's that's science and so maintaining sobriety isn't just making a decision right I can't just say okay I'm not going to drink and use anymore what I need is regular reminders I need uh mindset and yes and accountability and and connection right like when I tried to quit by myself I just went back because that that was what I knew well, yeah, and and about support systems, like if everyone around you is drinking and partying and using or whatever the case may be, how are you supposed to be the one person in the room that's like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need that anymore. Like that's and some hard. people can do that, but that wasn't. But I don't think that's, see, and that's another thing is that you knew that about yourself. You had to be honest with yourself about, hey, that, that isn't for me. That, well, and that's I tried okay. it first. I tried it. I tried, you know, just not drinking. I tried promising someone that I wouldn't drink. I tried, uh, 
hiding it or tricking myself or like what I tried lots of things. I tried switching like, oh, if I just don't drink tequila, <laughs> then, then I'll be all right. But yeah, I tried other things and they didn't work. And really, really terrible, devastating things happened to me. And I didn't want those things to happen anymore. But also at the end of my drinking, it wasn't all that dramatic. Like it wasn't a thing. I didn't get sent by the courts to 12-step meetings because I got a DUI. I didn't go to jail. I didn't like there, I, nobody, yeah, I was young too. I was young when I quit. So I hadn't had time. I hadn't had time to accumulate stuff to lose. Um, for me, it was mostly about being soulless. It was about feeling pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, right? I, it was about hating who I was and not knowing how to do it differently. And I, I, my habit or my routine was to find people who were worse than me hang out with them so that it looked like they were the problem. Right. And then, you know, nobody really cared about what I was doing. Right. So, by comparison, it's not so bad. Right. So I feel really lucky that early on, I decided that I couldn't feel the way I was feeling for much longer. And I had to do something different. I was lucky in that my grandmother, who has a horrendous drinking and using story, she got sober through the same 12-step program. And so I went to meetings with her before I started abusing drugs and alcohol. I went to meetings with her. And while I didn't relate, I think a, a seed was planted so that when I got to a place where I wanted to stop but couldn't, where I had tried and failed, I knew where to go. And in fact, there was a woman who um, I used to party with who got clean and sober before I did. And I, she was one of those lower companions that I hung out with because she was a disaster. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sober. And I didn't want to hang out with her anymore because then, you know, she wasn't worse than me and she right. wasn't taking the, the focus off of what I was doing anymore. So I didn't hang out with her anymore. But when I finally decided that I wanted to stop and I wanted to actually do something about it, she was the person that I called. And I'm sure that you never had planned on doing that. I mean, that's part of it, right? You see people all the time doing what's best for them and then unintentionally they like plant a seed or they inspire you to do different or they inspire you to do better. And luckily you had multiple examples of that. So I love that. But I more than anything, just love that you were so honest that I tried this and I failed and I tried this and it didn't work. And I tried that and it didn't work. And you could have come on and you could have been like, oh yeah, I went to the 12 steps because I wanted to make a change and I never looked back, but it was messy and it wasn't linear and it took time and you stuck with it. Yeah. And I will add that even, I mean, just because I took away the drugs and alcohol didn't change my behavior. So I was still like, I heard one time, I don't know if I've got this right, but something to the effect of, you know, what do you get when you 
sober up a drunken horse thief. You get a sober horse thief, right? And so right. I was still, I still had bad behavior until I worked this, the 12 steps, right? That whole process of working the 12 steps and being introspective and and um, looking at my past, like some people say, oh, it's in the past, like leave it there. No, no, like I have to do some excavation. I have to dig in and look at some things and I sought outside help. You know, I, I've done therapy and I've had coaching and, um, and working the 12 steps, like all these things together help me uncover some things that I had very carefully pushed down and hidden, things I did not want to look at, things that I drank and used with dedication to keep, you know, keep right. under wraps. I but had you to, have to. Yeah. You have to go in and you have to do that inner work and like integrate that shadow self and really look at it. Because if you don't, I mean, I know that you did, but I think what we see a lot with like coaching and with other people is that if you don't do it, it comes back. If you don't heal it and you don't work on it, it's just going to keep coming back until you do. Yeah. I, I, um, I talk to people all the time who are like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm worried about opening up that can of worms, either with the 12 steps or with coaching or, you know, in lots of like, I don't want to go to therapy because I'm afraid yeah. I'll start crying and never stop. That's what right. I said. I said, I don't want to go to therapy because I'll start crying and never stop. And my therapist said, oh yeah, people say that all the time. Like <laughs> that's a normal fear. And yeah, if I don't, if I don't do that work with the 12 steps, with, you know, therapy, with coaching, if I don't do that work, I'm going to be stuck. Right. right, right if yeah. I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to keep getting what I'm getting. So yeah, the 12 steps have been like a roadmap for me. It doesn't happen instantaneously. It's not easy. There's no fast forward button. But because I have done that work, it has led me to, you know, doing other introspective things. And, and I feel more spiritual than I have in my whole life, more connected to other people and to some energetic thing that I cannot explain or describe and I don't need to I don't feel compelled to right. um, I just know that I'm part of something bigger and that has so much value for me that is that is what I was always seeking and I love that you found it and I love that you can articulate it that way and remind people like even though you're here talking about your experience with me and to everybody that's listening you don't have to explain it and it doesn't have to make sense and it doesn't have to fit in a box. Don and I got really close over this idea of we didn't want to go back to the box and checking all those boxes. So now we're always like, oh, too big for the box, but right. it's I'm true. too big for the box. It's so true. And I just love the way that you were able to articulate that. And I think honestly, I genuinely feel like somebody's going to hear that. And even if they were like, oh, I wasn't here for that message today, I think that's going to resonate with a ton of people. So I'm really glad that you were willing and vulnerable and happy to share it. Um, and I know that we're pretty much at time for this, but I really, really appreciate you coming on because you do such a beautiful job of sharing 
the raw nitty gritty stuff that nobody wants to talk about. And we need more of that. And I, I love appreciate- talking about the raw. I love it. So, he so here's a plug. Here's a plug for my coaching <laughs> that um, I I am a confidence coach and a self-love coach. And I want to talk about all the things that nobody else wants to talk about. I want to talk about sex and desire and and shame. I want to talk yes. about those stories that are humiliating, right? That people don't want to share. Yep. I want to talk about BDSM and kink. I want to there talk about the things that, oh man, you wish that you had someone to talk about. I want to talk about those things because I think that we all have all of this stuff inside of us and, and the spirituality that yep. we seek is connection. It's knowing that what I feel is maybe what you feel too. My fears might be your fears. My desire, what I want for myself, you might have that too. And and just feeling like I'm not fucked up. I'm not weird or crazy or strange. Um, that's what that's what I want to do for my clients. I want to encourage them and help them be more confident with their bodies, what they want, how how they ask for it, how they take up space in the world. We deserve this space, and I don't I don't think we take up enough of it. And that's uh, I kind of lost my train of thought because I got all excited. <laughs> You know, that's what I do with my coaching. But we don't have enough space when you go in the box. So, right. yes. And just a reminder, you guys, I'm going to put her, let's see, I have her website, her blog, her Instagram, her TikTok, all of that. Um, I will put that down in the show notes so you guys can find Dawn. At the very least, go follow her just to see what she's doing. Because if that didn't motivate the hell out of you, I really don't know what will. But <laughs> she has other awesome content as well. So, Thank you again, Dawn, for coming on and putting time in your very busy schedule to come and hang out with me today. Thank you, Taylor. I love spending time with you. Thanks, thanks. And I will see you soon. And I hope everybody enjoyed this episode and we will see you on the next one. Okay, see you later. Bye.